1: Learn more at marines.com
2: Yes welcome back as you can be for breakfast on SCNZ We've got Rick Dog in the house carrying us through the next hour Big hour ahead Just a wee update on the PGA Kepka back to back bogeys He's at 7 under after 7 And Hovland just bogeyed the last to be 6 under So Kepka getting the wee break But that white ball All that white ball can be naughty sometimes Ooh, it's tough out there in the PGA. We'll keep you up to date. There's plenty going on. I can't see where Foxy is at the moment, but Rick Dog will give us a wee update in not too long. Uh, we've got a big hour here. We're going to be talking rugby right now, and we're going to be talking to one of the greats, one of the tough opponents I've played against, Danny Cipriani. He's an absolute champion from the UK. Well he's been out of the game for a wee while but he's on his own little journey and he's doing some great things off the field so we're going to be catching up with him. With summer fast approaching in the Norman Northern Hemisphere, the European club competitions are coming to close. La Rochelle triumphing over Leinster in the Champions Cup over the weekend elsewhere in England. Saracens will play sale in the Premiership Rugby Final on Sunday morning in front of what will surely be a sold-out crowd at Twickenham. Former English international Danny Sibrani joins us in the show to preview the big game and just have a real good catch-up with Danny. Haven't spoken to him for a wee while now. Danny boy, good morning, good afternoon, good night good to morning. you. Good <laughs> morning. <laughs> good evening, Flux. Yeah, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good, Denny, mate. How are you doing? We haven't spoken for a wee while. I just thought it would be a great opportunity to catch up with you. i follow you on the socials. We keep in touch
1: uh, a wee bit over the last couple of years,
2: mate. But what have you been up
1: to? Yeah, mate. Man, you know what? Life's changed a lot. And I've got, I've got married and uh, at Christmas time, my mum had a stroke and she only came out of hospital mm. like two weeks ago. So we've been caring for her every day. So life has changed drastically currently. But it's all good and there's lots of uh, exciting things on the horizon.
2: Nice man. I'm sorry to hear about your mum. Um I know yeah, that man, you'll be uh, looking after her, man. It's yeah. uh it's it's crazy times, mate. Um and obviously you've been doing a wee bit of travel as well. We, we, we what is Danny what is in Day in the Life or Danny Cipriani these days?
1: A day in the life, man. Um, <laughs> I wake up to an alarm to make sure that my mum goes to the toilet correctly and I, ha- I help her in the morning. So it's not that glamorous. It's changed a lot from when I probably last saw you and we was in the middle of a nightclub drinking and downing <laughs> shots. It's, it's very much changed because I know that was your thing, eh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: keep keep talking, Denny. We're loving this. Keep talking.
1: Yeah, trust me. <laughs> like, I I'm, I'm, I never touched a drop of alcohol till I met Daggy, boy. He sent me the wrong <laughs> way. Nah, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Danny,
2: don't do this to me alive on national radio in New Zealand. I thought
1: it was just a private call. My bad. Sorry, bro.
2: <laughs> oh, you're a funny man, mate. We've had some good times, I must admit. But uh, yeah, rugby, man. like, you obviously got a lot of things going on off the field and you're taking care of your mum you've just got married to a beautiful wife yeah, yeah. but rugby is that still something that you're passionate about?
1: Yeah man like for sure I'm I'm super passionate about it but I'm sure as you know over in this part of the world um, the way that we coach the way that we um, you know teach our players and, and have a team unit is very different to you guys in the southern hemisphere we don't have much culture deep rooted in our system you know we don't have much mm-hmm. um, tradition and heritage in that sense uh, and in doing so, it's quite a dictatorship environment. So if I can be in a, in a team in and in a squad where it's shared responsibility and the coach is willing to listen to ideas and we speak openly and it's not his way or the highway, man, I'm ready to play because mentally I've never been fresher. I've never felt more present on and off the field. But, you know, if that don't come, I'm excited about what's to come.
0: Danny, you, I, I read an article that only came out a couple of days ago that said that uh, you, yeah. you, you haven't retired yet. You might play. You've said I might play again, or I might not play again. My best rugby could be in front of me. Um, yeah. Where do you see yourself playing? I mean, you, do you see yourself playing in the English structure? Would you like to come down here and play some Super Rugby, or, or you know, or is it France? Where, where are you looking?
1: Do you know what? That when a coach calls me and I feel the vibe with him. And I know the team is wanting to make a progression and move forward um, and grow and work every day and challenge themselves in an in a mm. exciting way, then I'm willing to go and dive into that. And if there's a coach that's willing to you know speak a bit of rugby with me because the previous teams I've been in, I've coached and played, but the coaches over here, they don't like the way that I did it, hence why I've always been labeled disruptive, but we've always been successful um, and for me, as long as I've got that license to come on and and be and have that responsibility, man, my best rugby could be in front of me. But I'm also very at peace if I don't play again because there's nothing I can do about well, we, that control. So,
2: We hope to see you out there, Danny. I remember you running around yeah, for the Rebels, disrupting there over in Melbourne and running absolute Mate, clinic on I, the Super i Did, more field. did, did you miss it? <laughs>
1: I, I did more disrupting off the field in Melbourne, I'm not going to lie. That, that, for me, I, I, I had to get away from England because I had paparazzi on my case every day. I was being written about every day. It was so intense. So I was like, I need to go away, play super rugby because the only reason I ever played rugby is because I used to watch the Hurricanes and Christian Cullen when I was a kid. Second-best New Zealand fullback ever, eh, Daggie? Um So <laughs> what What I used to, um, when I went to Melbourne, I had such a break from the English media and, and, the, and the pressure, you know. And I know the Aussies love a schooner, so I ended up drinking a little bit over there, you know. It was good fun. It was good fun, but uh, I did love it on the field too. Well...
2: What what are the challenges playing in, in England at the moment, Moment, Danny? Like, can you just elaborate a little bit more for, you, for the life when you were living over? In, I know you're in the spotlight every single day. You're rolling with some some pretty famous uh, pundits out there. Like, What was it like for you playing rugby in England?
1: Uh, do you know what? I think the biggest difference between Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere on just a, a structural basis is Northern Hemisphere is... Uh, well, English rugby anyway, is more wrapped in fear than um, playing to win. Like, it's always Mm. from here percentages. Do this from here, you'll get this outcome. Percentage play, percentage play. It's never really in the moment, which is, you know, at the line making decisions, you know, picking the best option, which is something, you know, I, I worked hard to excel at. And in doing so, it kind of goes off the structure or the plan of what's meant to be next. But in that moment... If the best decision is a short ball or a 30-meter mispass, then I make that call in the moment. So so for me, that's the biggest difference because I see you boys over there. You play free. It's like play what you see. There is a a framework to what you do. But then when it's Mm -hmm. time to turn on the Jets or to turn on a little bit of um, magic or a little goosey, um, I know you weren't shy of that, Daggy, so that's what happened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Denny. I mean... what you've talked about, it seems it's quite uh, an authoritarian coaching way that they, they have in England yeah, for in, in, real. in English rugby. Um, what about what about post-career uh, for you when you do hang up the boots? Do you want to coach and do you want to be able to bring this attitude to your coaching and to English rugby in general?
1: Uh, man, do you know what? I'm, I, when I get driven or there's a compelling desire out of me to go and coach every day, then I'll go and do it. I think to go and coach, you've got to be completely invested in what you're doing. Like right now, I have I still want to play. Uh, I've just done my book. I'm just finishing my book. You know, I'm really keen to um, speak to athletes about true authenticity and being themselves in, in a world over here where every English um, interview is given and sounds the same because we get judged heavily on what we say and things get taken out of context. All the English footballers, rugby players. It sounds very dull and straight. There's not much character involved. and I want to try and go to the middle of that and create something where people can be themselves because it only means you're going to play better on the field. If you can have that complete full awareness on and off the field, you're going to play better. You can't turn it on and off. Otherwise, that's where you get those Takato-type performances.
0: Where are you then on uh, English rugby at the moment and the English rugby team with Steve Borthwick in charge? And I, the reason I ask this is obviously it's a World Cup year, but when he was given the job or around the time that they were in the process of giving him the job, I talked to Chris Foy at the Daily Mail, I talked to Martin Gillingham, who you all know is a commentator. Both of them said yeah. it's a step backwards for English rugby if they go with Borthwick. Um, what was your What's your take on what you've seen from him as the English, English coach and where England are ahead of the World Cup?
1: Uh, you know, it it depends what the what the job criteria is from the R F U. You know, if it's to excel um, and create a bigger profile to the game, and you know, create more fans watching, like that's not necessarily going to be the case with Steve. But after Eddie Jones, it's probably a slightly safer bet to try and steer the ship in a in a in a more consistent direction. But what They do know from Steve Balfour because he went into Leicester in short notice and within short notice turned the club around and won the league. And obviously international rugby is very different. So if they're looking for a fast um, reply and quick results, that's what I think they're hoping that they can just kind of shore up the ship in the way that Eddie left it and that they'll get results on that basis. I was hoping they'd go long-term and get Scott Robertson post-World Cup, but obviously he's taking his dream job with you guys, so that's great.
2: Do, do you get a sense that uh, Young Marcus Smith he, he reminds me of you He's very uh, open He loves to play what he sees He doesn't mind having an attack uh, attacking the line He doesn't mind throwing a bit of razzle dazzle Behind the back Kind of passes Miss passes do, do you get a sense he's getting overcoached And getting locked up In, in that 10 position And uh, I, I don't know what, I can't figure it out Why he's struggled so much With so much talent
1: For me what happens when you go to England is there's a freedom you have at club level. When you see that with Marcus, you see that with Danny Care, mm. they go and play. Yeah. But at England international, for almost every coach I've had, they want to predict the first twenty minutes. They want to predict the first um, launch. They want to predict, and it's very like you go into the game with these um, like cornerstone things that are going to happen, and if it goes slightly different or slightly off plan. I just feel like people aren't ready to get back and in sync and, and find a new way of, of operating like that. And I think the pressure to come in and not have the best coaching in terms of framework around him, it means he can look isolated as well. So when he played against France and he's cutting across, trying to make shape and, and get people at the line, if the, the coaching and the, the, the understanding of the whole group isn't of that level in a short space of time, it's hard to do, then he's going to look very isolated at Quincy spend day in, day out learning and reading each other's body shape and body angles. I don't think that they're that free at coaching at England. It's very structured, it's very um, phase one to three. It's not players you see, which, you know, for players like Marcus it can it can feel a little bit like you've got a straitjacket on.
2: Are, are England brave enough to make that decision to allow a coach to unlock the site, or do you think there's too many people in the back room that make these decisions? And they're fearful of change?
1: Uh, I think that that's what they want to do. They want to make the change. I just don't know mm. if they are willing to break the mould to find it. Yeah. like We've had the best English coach over the last 15 years in Sean Edwards. And he's never got mm. close to getting an England job. Because he doesn't fit the mould. He isn't going to give you the traditional interview afterwards. He might cuss. He might be short and be a bit tempered and you might show emotion like over here. That's not, that's not what you guys think of us. That's not what is with our culture. We're very straight faced and deliver as such, you know, whereas we've missed out on one of the greatest coaches, English coaches of all time. Um, And he's coached Wales and France and both won grand slams with both of them. You know, so it's, uh, I don't know his question from, My view of watching it now and the way that the game is on the club level as well, it just it just seems like they're holding on to the old mentality as long as they can until it completely breaks. So we'll, we'll see how that goes.
0: Uh, Danny, we've got the uh, Premiership final coming out this weekend. It's a head-to-head yep. head between George Ford and Owen Farrell. Is that oh, yeah. a, a trial for basically the number one, number 10 come the World Cup?
1: Yeah, probably. I think so. I think George has come back um, incredibly well from his injury. Um, I think the World Cup is going to come at the right time for him because when he's running, he's still carrying it a little bit. But because of his game awareness and his tactical nous, he can play, fly half and get away with it. And I think in six months' time, he'll physically be even better from his uh, horrific injury. And Owen is playing some of the best rugby he's ever played. You know, he seems to be playing a bit more free and then making decisions and you know, he's getting a real consistency with it. Um, So I think for sure it's going to be a straight shootout. I I do think Saracens have a superior team and also no finals rugby like the back of their hand. So it could be a slightly uh, biased opportunity for Owen. But having said that, you know, Georgia's got the ability to do, you know, the the, the spiral bomb and the long wiper kicks and, (laughs) and, you know, put people in space. So it could, uh, it could be an interesting day for sure. Oh,
2: well, he hasn't got the he hasn't got the kick like you, Danny Cipriani. We had a message come hey, through that's from Brett. my guy. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> my guy. <laughs> he said, Danny Cipriani, good getting, is he like a lot of people. I've only heard read stuff in the media about him. Great chat. So they're really loving what you're saying on the show. You you spoke about your book, mate. Like, what what are we gonna read in this book? You're gonna be completely honest. We're we gonna get a real understanding. I think you've been. Unfairly portrayed in the media, like I said, I've known you for a while now, and I've got a lot of time for you. Yes. What can we read in this book?
1: I'm just, I'm just going to be truthful about my experiences within the game because, um, because of the way rugby is in our country, it's not a number one sport. So when people dip in and out of our sport, they don't reckon, they don't see the consistency of what is. And from 2013-14 till 2020, 2019, you know. I only got one start for England um, because there was a whole preconceived idea around the fact that I was disruptive and, you know, I, I was in the front papers a little bit and stuff was going on and they would start saying I'm not a good teammate and all these things would happen and I never answered anything because I didn't feel I wanted to or needed to. But, you know, I'm, I'm telling the truth about my relationship with like people like Eddie and, and other England coaches and the way I felt in the game because there was a period for about five years where I was unplayable to the point where I found like rugby was just fun and enjoy and and I was excited to go and play and no matter what I did on the field i if I felt unplayable. But I just didn't get the caps that um you know, were out there for, for the taking. And some of it was my own doing, I held my hand up, I'm responsible for a lot of that stuff. But also, you know what, our system over here it doesn't want a kid for who's from a working class background to be playing number 10 in such an upper class sport. We've got a very different type of divide and I faced a lot of different trials and tribulations with it. And in doing so, I learned a lot about myself and my temperament, my, my mental, um, resilience and also, you know, where I was vulnerable and where I could, you know, sit in that space for a bit longer and then just sit with those shadows and be cool with it now. Um, so I, it's a, it's a big journey about how I've been through everything, the ups and downs, and done it through the spotlight of the glare of the English media. But you know, now I'm very zen and at peace, man. So I just want to share my, awesome, my love and wisdom.
0: Yeah, looking yeah, forward
1: man. to reading that book, uh, Danny. Um, when, when is
0: it out? When can we buy it in New Zealand?
1: I haven't even announced this in England. They're probably going to kill me for this. But, oh, well. Keep this on the down low, mate. mate. In September.
0: It is DL, super DL. Uh, right Don't here. tell anyone.
1: Shit, I'm on radio. I'll, I just swore. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so That's sorry. I apologise, New Zealand. Uh, Danny. Danny.
0: Uh, oh, you're, a you're the man. I, I've, I've got to say, blokes like you, and I mean this with all due respect, make me sick, because I'm just looking at your record... And as a kid coming through in sport you played uh, county cricket for Surrey as a batsman uh, you were you played squash <laughs> at county level you were a junior footballer at Queen's Park Rangers, you were offered terms by Reading to be a professional footballer I noticed even oh, get uh, out. On, on the way to Melbourne, Melbourne Rebels even Milton Keynes, Dons and a couple other teams off, offered you the opportunity to sign as a professional footballer yeah. late in your career if Melbourne didn't work yeah. out uh, oh man just so good at everything What what is the sport that you play that brings you
1: the most joy? Uh, Football. Football. It's the most challenging. Like, to have ball control, pick passes, see the game. Like, it's such a highly skilled game. It's the most challenging game. And I love it. But I also love batting when you get your eye in and you're facing like a a top fast bowler and it's just you versus him. I do love that element too. Um, But you know what? I might have been good at sport. I wasn't very good at maths. And You know, during my career as a rugby player, I wasn't that great at not going out and getting pissed. So I still got some weaknesses, you know. you know, I've got, But I figured them out and I've married the most beautiful woman, the most soulful woman who has completely changed my life, man. So it's uh, life's good. Oh, Danny. Bloody
2: love you, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, you're a, you're a champion. Love, love you, honesty. <laughs> you're good man! I'm looking forward to reading your book come September. You heard it here first on SENZ, Danny's going to go get a clip around the ears now. <laughs> don't tell him. But him. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, mate. Danny Cipriani, appreciate your time, brother. Thanks so much for joining us. I'll be in
0: touch. Appreciate it, man. Hey, got oh. the to love. Peace. Oh, what an absolute legend! What an absolute legend, Danny Cipriani. Great chat. <laughs> Great, chat. Great chat. What a top man. At the start, there I was like, oh no. Where's this going to go? Where's daddy boy going to go
2: today? He's already thrown me on the bus. That is a lie. I didn't buy him shots. I didn't
0: do anything. No chance. Come on, Israel. (laughs) No one believes that. (laughs) Uh, uh, Just a quick update for you. Well, as he composes himself, the uh, PGA Championship. uh, Ryan Fox tied for 21st through 15. So he's, uh, he's picked up a shot again, which is good. Tied for 21st. A Rory McElroy, up and down day. He is now 2-under for the day through 10 and tied for ninth. Uh, but it's got a lot closer. You know, Brooks Koepka, I mentioned earlier, had a 3-shot lead. Well, it's back to a 1-shot lead. He's back to 7-under, so he's dropped 2. Victor Hovland is 6-under, 1 behind him. And then Bryson DeChambeau, uh, 2 behind Hovland at 4-under. It is 8.24 here on SENZ. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.